Thank you so much for tuning in to our church podcast. You can go to atarapentecost.com for questions about services and how to donate. We pray that you are blessed by this message today. God bless. So I, I hope to see more hands go up from here on that one. All right. Don't go by your foot. Got to go back there. Here we go. All right. Uh, thou shalt not commit adultery. And thou shalt not steal. Thou shalt not bear false witness. Honor thy father and thy mother. Who? Somebody said who? All right. Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. Anybody have that neighbor? Right? Yeah, there we go. All right. The young man said unto him, he's got it going for him, doesn't he? All these things have I kept from my youth. What lack I yet? Jesus said unto him, If thou wilt be perfect, go and sell that thou hast, and give to the poor. Thou shalt have treasure in heaven, and come and follow me. But when the young man heard that saying, he went away sorrowful, for he had great possessions. All right, then we want to go to the book of Mark. And chapter number 10, beginning at verse number 17. 17. Somebody give Brother Cliff a pair of glasses. They can work. They give him my glasses. I know there is a verse 17 because that's a verse 20. So there had to be a verse 17, right? Amen. Hallelujah. We'll go to the appended page, I guess. And who's got verse number 17? Would they read that? Ooh, Brother, Brother Ali, read that really, really loud. And listen, listen to how that starts. Running. All right, I got it from there, I think. All right, so this is the same story, only written by Mark. Mark kind of adds a little flavor to it, okay? Verse number 18. And Jesus said unto him, Why callest thou me good? There is none good but one, that is God. Verse number 19. Thou knowest the commandments, do not commit adultery, do not kill, do not steal, do not bear false witness, defraud not, honor mom and dad. Verse number 20. And he answered and said unto him, Master, all these have I observed from my youth. What a good guy. Verse 21. Then Jesus, beholding him, loved him. The Lord Jesus looked at him with love and said unto him, One Thing thou lackest. Okay, now Mark does it a little bit different here. This is really the focus of uh, our thought here this morning. One thing thou lackest, go thy way, sell whatsoever thou hast, give to the poor, thou shalt have treasure in heaven. Here's where Mark adds a little bit to it, and it's a big if. And come, take up your cross, and follow me. Wow, that's a big, uh, that's a big add-on, isn't it? He's not just telling him to sell out, sell everything he's got, but he says, and then you got to trade it in for the new mark. You've got to take up your cross and follow me. Amen. Verse number 22. And he was sad at that saying and went away grieved for he had great possessions. And I'd like to speak to you this morning on this thought, the future of the cross. Amen. The future of the cross. I'm going to ask you if you would, if you would lift your hearts.
Amen. One more time. I'm going to ask Brother McCune if he would lead us in prayer. And uh, amen. I want you to really think about this thought here this morning. Would you, Brother McCune, lead us in prayer? Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Thank you. Amen. You may be seated. What a big difference between the two writers. Mark, add on there, is just a very powerful statement by Jesus. Amen. One thing you're lacking. And I'm going to, to kind of integrate both of those into one. Not only that he has to sell everything that he's got. Thank you, Brother Ali, for that lesson this morning. Prideful this man was. He had some pride of his possessions. The Lord knew that, but didn't stop. He integrates the two, Mark does. He says, not only do you just have to sell what you have, sell everything you've got and give to the poor, that'll reduce you from the prideful person to being a humble person, but then you have to take up your cross and follow me. Not just distribute your earnings to feed the poor and then say, okay, I'm good. I've, now, I've done it, and I've got eternal life now. No, he said, but after that, then you've got to pick up your cross. You've got to pick up your cross. Amen. Jesus is asking that young man to sell everything he has, give it away, and then come back, pick up his cross, and follow him. As Christians, we understand the cross as a symbol of Christianity. Because of the death of Jesus on the cross of Calvary. We do not believe the symbol of the cross itself to have any power. Let's get an amen in there. Okay. But we believe emphatically of the blood atonement that was shed on the cross by the crucifixion of God's perfect Lamb, Jesus Christ the Lamb of God that taketh away the sins of the world. In the words of Jesus himself, as he said at the table, celebrating what we refer to as the Last Supper, he takes the cup of wine, he said, Drink ye all of it, for this is my blood of the New Testament, which is shed for many for the remission of sins. There is a very, very powerful reason why we baptize in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of your sins. Historically, the cross as a symbol is reported to have possibly originated in Babylon and used as a form of worship many years even prior to Calvary. They say that it was used as a symbol of worship in one form or another in countries such as Africa, Greece, Egypt, and Syria. The symbol of the cross took a dramatic turn in the year 312 during a battle by the Roman Emperor Constantine at the Battle of Milvian Bridge. He and his troops reported seeing a light in the sky above the sun with the words in Greek translated, In this sign conquer. Night, that night Constantine reported having a dream in which Christ told him he should use the sign of the cross against his enemies. He was so impressed that he had that Christian symbol of the cross marked on his soldier's shield. And when he won an overwhelming victory in the Battle of Milvian Bridge that day, he attributed his victory to the God of the Christians. Constantine would go on to make Christianity a legal religion, no more persecution, even appointing Christians to high office. The emperor strove to iron out theological disagreements among early Christians. He personally attended the Council of Nicaea in 325, which formulated the doctrine of the Trinity. 
Constantine died in A.D. 337. Christianity was well on its way to becoming the state religion of the Roman Empire, and Constantine considered himself the 13th apostle of Jesus Christ. By the 5th century, the legend arose that pieces of crosses were unearthed by Constantine's mother Helena. It was during these excavations that it was reported a miraculous healing took place when a sick woman was healed when she touched one of the pieces to them proving it was a section of the actual cross of Jesus Christ. Church would be built over that site. During the time of the Middle Ages, the cross became the symbol of a series of religious wars waged from Christian Europe to liberate the Holy Land from Muslim rulers. Those who chose to fight would wear a special garment marked with a cross. They would be called the Crusaders. By the 19th century, the term crusade came to refer more generally to any kind of a struggle for a righteous cause. Later, that same symbol would be used by activists demonstrating against social advances, such as KKK. Today, the cross is worn as a symbol of being a Christian. It is made into rings, necklaces, earrings, keychains, even seen hanging from rearview mirrors. It's worn by actors, singers, models, skiers, tennis players. You can spend up to $10,000 on a cross made into a necklace. Please show that photo, Brother Cliff. Just in case you're wondering, here's a $10,000 one that you could buy and wear. That would certainly identify your faith. And it's even worn by presidents. He's wearing a cross, folks. I don't know if you can zoom it. He's wearing a cross. Can you see it? Yeah. The Catholic Church even makes the sign of the cross as part of their worship as they enter the church. When they make the sign of the cross by touching their forehead, their chest, and each shoulder, they are led to believe. They are led to believe this sign will protect them from harm and evil spirits. I don't think the early church ever imagined this to be the future of the cross. Let me quote from the master theme of the Bible by Sidlow Baxter. He writes this. He says, Our Lord Jesus is both the center and the circumference of divine revelation. Amen? As the sun is the center of our solar system and also the power which holds it together, so Jesus Christ is the magnetic center of Scripture and the unifying theme which makes all 66 books of the Bible one self-consistent whole. As Christ is the central figure of biblical revelation, so the cross is the central factor. Whatever else our Bible may or may not be, it is distinctively and preeminently the book of salvation from sin. And its many-sided doctrine of salvation both centers in and radiates from Jesus Christ on the cross. The precious blood of Calvary, so to speak, sprinkles every page. It's found in the book of Genesis. Hello? The doctrine of redemption by the Lamb runs through that holy word like a crimson cord 
holding all the various parts of the sacred canon together in one. Amid the present day world of new ideas, let this shine all the more clearly in our thinking. Jesus as the Lamb of God is a center point of that message which we are to preach. You cannot separate Jesus Christ and redemption from the cross. The two are linked together, literally nailed together. That you cannot separate. You cannot find redemption outside of the one that is nailed to the cross. And it is at the top of that cross you will find the words, Jesus Christ, King of the Jews, spelled in every known language of its day. That's where you will find the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, as he reveals his love to lost humanity, it could only come from the blood atonement that he chose to carry to the cross of Calvary. Out of his infinity and invisibility, the architect of the universe would walk toward humanity in human form, he looks on me. He looks on you as he did at that young man through human eyes. He reaches for us with human hands and he feels for us with human emotions and he forgives my sins, nailing them, the writer of the New Testament says, nailing them to his cross. Listen to the story, John 12. John 12 is a chapter. He has been anointed by Mary signifying his death. He made, has made his triumphal entry into Jerusalem. Some Greeks approach Philip with a desire to meet this man. They said, Philip, take us to this one called Jesus. We want to meet him. Following verse, Jesus comes out and he speaks and he says this. He says, the hour is come that the Son of Man should be glorified. Now is my soul troubled and what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour. But for this cause, he says, came I to this hour. Now listen. And he says, Father, glorify thy name. And there came a voice from heaven only the second time in Scripture that an audible voice broke the, in the, the universe. Only the second time. First time was on the Mount of Transfiguration. And the Bible said, and this, this is happening towards the last couple of weeks of his life. And there came a voice from heaven in response to identify him, to make sure that the people understood who he was. And the voice said, I have both glorified it and will glorify it again. Jesus answered and said, this voice came not because of me, but for your sakes. And he says this, now is the judgment of this world. He said, now shall the prince of this world be cast out. And if I, he said, and if I be lifted up from the earth, will draw all men unto me, this spoke he of his death. The Greek word translated judgment. Verse 31 is crisis. And I tell you this morning, the world is in a crisis. Jesus said this. He said the world is in a crisis. They do not know what to do with me. 
They have no understanding. The voice came out of heaven. It thundered and the people heard it. But he said, the world is in crisis. He said, but if I am lifted up, if I take that cross, if I go to Calvary, Satan, the ruler of this world, will be cast out. And then I will draw all men to me. world is in a crisis. They're looking for answers. And we as apostolic Christians that believe in the identity of Jesus Christ, God in flesh, reconciling the world unto himself, we emphatically preach that the answer will always be, it will come from people who are drawn to a place called Calvary. They must be drawn to the place of the atoning blood of the Lamb of God. There is no other answer outside of redemption. And there is no other God except Him. He said the world's in crisis. He says, but when I'm lifted up, He says, I will cast the Satan, the rule of this world, he will lose his power. And he says, and then I'll draw, I'll draw all men to me. Story of the rich, of the young rich man. This incident occurred on a journey to Jerusalem, which Jesus took between the feast of dedication, at which the Jews sought to stone him and the Passover during which, which he would be crucified. Within a few days after he had raised Lazarus from the dead, so possibly sometime in the last week of his life, he saved this story as a reminder to you and I that there would come a time possibly when the blessings of God, Brother Ali, would come into our lives. There would come a time when we as American, as Christian Americans, that God would pour out His material blessings on us, that we wouldn't have to worry about a home to go to, that we wouldn't have to worry about the clothes that we wear, that we wouldn't have to worry about the bombs falling out. He says, but you need to be careful because when you take your mind and your focus off of what really took place to redeem your soul, then you have a problem. Listen to this story. The Bible says he ran to Jesus. How many of you ran to church this morning? Thank you. Good, you're the man. He ran to the Lord because he did not want to miss his opportunity to find out how to receive eternal life. That's why we come. Listen, sometimes, you know, if we're not careful, we are time clock Christians. We punch in, we punch out. But we need to have that kind of a spirit that that young man had where we run. I want to run to him because I don't want to miss an opportunity to meet him and find out what his plan is for my life. I want to run to where he's at. He was young with ambition and influence. He had it going for him. He was not a bum off the street. He was a young man that had made his mark in life. He was young, ambition, influential. He came running. He didn't come dragging himself into the house of God. He didn't come dragging himself in thinking that, you know, I'll show up and just see what happens. No, sir. He ran. He ran. He had ambition. He ran to where the master was. And he kneeled before him. In other words, he reverenced him. He reverenced for who he was. He reverenced God. 
when he came into the presence of God, he knelt before him. And he addressed him with respect, calling him good master. He was young, he was rich, he had good character, he followed the book. He followed the book. He knelt before the Lord. He reverenced when he called his name. He didn't just use it as a curse word the way the world does today. But he called out his name and when he did, it was much reverence and he knelt before him. He sincerely wanted to know what he could do. He had, he had exhausted everything that he knew how to do. He had lived right. He said, Lord, in other words, there was still something. There was still, Jesus said, you're lacking. You're still lacking. There are successful people in this world that they still need more. And they know they need more. Wanted to know what else he could do, get this, to inherit. In other words, he knew that he was, he was born to the right family. He was born in, come here, I think some of you know. He had been born into the right family. He, was, he had it going for him. He, he obeyed mom and dad. He took care of them, took care of business. He probably was a good steward. But he just, he, there was something else that he wanted. He wanted to know how to inherit eternal life, the Bible says. Jesus told him, he read it. Young man was looking good. Wow, every, every time the Lord mentioned something, he, he marked it off, right? He said, wow, I got it, man. I got it. I'm, I'm, looking, I'm, I'm looking good so far. Then Jesus looked at this young man with love. With love. Jesus' love for this man did not change the message. In other words, there was still the message going to be the same. He, you know he loves every person in this world unconditionally. But his love for you does not discount the cross message. There are no discounts. He loved him. Love is a good thing. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever should believe in him should what? Not perish but have everlasting life. The world, that, that is, that's a, good, that's a good scripture to memorize for sure. But listen, just because he loves us does not discount the message of Calvary. God did not discount what Jesus asked of that man. He says, one thing you're lacking, go sell. Then pick up your cross. You see, this is the price of the cross. It's all or nothing. If I could have a testimony of some of those first century apostolics stand right here on this platform this morning, you and I would be changed by their testimony. It was all or nothing. Ananias and Sapphira, it's all or nothing, bud. So what is the way of the cross? How do we follow him? I'm going to give you a couple of things here that I believe in my own heart that it's the path. It's the path that we're going to follow him. And it leads to Calvary. Number one, you've got to have communion with Jesus. It pretty much all starts at what we call the Last Supper or Passover. You've got to have communion with the Lord Jesus 
Christ, you have to have a relationship with Him. And you have to understand that that relationship began there. Listen, it involves the towel. It involves being a humble servant. Get the picture. Jesus, as far as we know, He did not refrain from washing the feet of Judas. I know and have heard of people, they won't even walk across the center aisle of a grocery store if they see somebody that they have offended or has offended them. Jesus said, you've got to pick up your cross. The cross means that when nobody else, everybody else had taken the high road, they were concerned with sitting at the left and the right seats of the Lord. And uh, he said, hey, you know what? You forgot something. And so let me teach you the lesson. He took the towel and he washed Pardon my expression. He washed the crap from their feet. And he said, if I'm doing this for you, now what do you ought you to be able to be willing to do for your brother? <laughs> Listen, he already knew. He, already, he not only knew that Judas had betrayed him, he already knew that his number uno one guy was going to fail him miserably also. And yet he washed their feet. The way to Calvary, pick up your cross. The way to Calvary begins when you and I take on the heart of a servant, no matter how dirty it seems, you have got to be willing to serve. If you want to be great, he said, Brother Clemson, if you want to be great, you got to be servant. Number two, you gotta, gotta remember when. The, the path to Calvary as they're celebrating that Passover. Okay, they are, but Jesus told them, he says, once my body is broken and once my blood is shed, he says, I'm telling you that there is a future that is awaiting those that are blood washed and spirit. He said, because I will not celebrate this again until we celebrate it in my Father's kingdom. In other words, the marriage of supper of the Lamb is coming, but it's the price of Calvary that allows us to walk through the doors. Drink all of it, he said. Drink all of it. What you gotta, you gotta, you gotta take the whole message. You gotta, you gotta understand. You gotta understand. The cross was never meant to be worn. The cross was meant to be carried. I've got a lesson that is coming, but the yoke is to be worn. It will lead you to a place at times. It will lead you to your personal Gethsemane. It will, it will lead you to a place called Gethsemane. There you will sometime in your life, you will be crushed under the weight 
You will be crushed under that thing that you are dealing with. Jesus said, my hour. He said, but what should I do? He says, because it was for this hour that I came into life. The Lord has called you and I to such a time as this. The only way that we will get the full impact of how to minister to a world that is lost is it somebody, somebody will have to visit a place called Gethsemane and from that place they will come out a broken, broken man. But in the process, they will have discovered not my will, Lord, but your will. I am willing to carry out no matter what it costs me. It's the price. It's praying until you break into a thousand pieces. And nobody's there to put you back together except knowing that you have accomplished the will of God in your life. It will lead you to a place, a knowledge of what he went through at his trial to bring us healing. You will be persecuted of all nations for my namesake. Jesus said, you will be persecuted because of the name that you bear. Because you are not ashamed of the gospel of Christ because it is the power. It's a knowledge. It is not, it is not following the procession, the trial from afar off like Peter did, which will get you in a place of compromise, but is your willingness to understand that you need to take a peek inside that courtroom. You need to understand. You need to reread the story of him taking the stripes upon his back for your healing. Your healing comes from the blood that was shed upon his back. It does not come from the hand of the doctor. The doctor may process, he may practice medicine, but ultimately it will come from the miraculous blood that Jesus shed when he took the stripes for our healing upon his back. Simon was compelled. There was no way around him. He had to take up the cross, his end of it. And I know that you know, but it's a reminder that I believe that as the procession made its way from the courtroom to a place called Calvary, and they compelled Simon because there was one thing, there was one thing that God chose not to do. God chose not to do. He refused to carry this thing called the gospel. He refused to carry the cross by himself. He said, men, if you want to be redeemed, if you want to experience salvation, you're going to have to pick up the light end of this thing and follow me because I'm going to bear the brunt of it. I'm going to nail your sins to the cross, but you're going to have to get right behind me and understand that we are partnering in this thing the only way that people are going to be saved is if you take them to Calvary's cross. Simon was compelled. He was compelled to bear that cross. And I want you to understand that what Simon witnessed that time, that it was not no imaginary walk through the Garden of Eden. It was a walk going from the Garden of Gethsemane and the trial to a place called Calvary. And you don't want to have the visual image 
of what he saw and heard as he carried the light into that cross. Talking about the future of the cross. He was compelled. He had no... Peter was afar off. I've always wondered this. They got the name right, but they got the person right. I believe that Simon Peter was the one that should have been carrying the end of that cross. Instead, the Lord had to reach out to another Simon. Man, forgiveness. You will find the ultimate, the ultimate power of this gospel on the cross. And the Lord said, forgive them. Because they don't really understand what you're doing. He said that to the soldiers that had just, had just nailed him to the cross. He said, forgive them. They don't. Isaiah wrote, he said, He hath borne our griefs. He carried my sorrow. He bore my grief. Anybody ever went through grief? Said he carried my sorrow. Anybody ever been there? He was wounded for our transgressions. Anybody ever failed God? He was bruised for our iniquities. Anybody ever failed God doubly so? It's okay. If you repent, because the price has already been paid, because he saw how miserable of a creature I was. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. With his stripes we are healed. Isaiah went on and he wrote and he said, The Lord hath laid on him the iniquity of us all. He nailed my grief, my sorrow, my sin, my flaws. He nailed them to the cross. Would you stand with us? future of the cross, do we wear it as an ornament of identification or are we picking it up and carrying it and following Jesus? Mark 8, 34, whoever, Jesus said, whoever will come after me, let him deny himself. Deny himself. But I want it my way. It's not the way of the cross. But I don't want to give. Not the way. Not the way. I don't want to pray for you. Hey. Where's that coming from? I don't want to worship. I want to sit down. I want to sit on my hands and and feel sorry for my little situation in life. I don't want to worship God because I don't feel like it. Okay, where's that coming from? I don't want to have communion with the Lord today. I want to get up and enjoy the day and just have a great time. Okay, fine. He's not going to compel you. If he could have, if his, if the nails were not restricted his hands, if the nails were not in his hands, you know what he would be doing from that cross? He would be reaching out for you. Listen, Mark 
Matthew 10, 38, And he that taketh not his cross and followeth after me is not worthy of me. Oh, here's the good news. What makes one worthy? I'm here to tell you this morning, I'm worthy to carry that cross. You know why? Because I am a sinner. That is the only qualification that you have in order to qualify to pick up that cross and follow the lifestyle of the Master in those things that we brought to your attention this morning. The only quality that you got to have, Brother Colton, is you're nothing. You're just a no-good scumball sinner like the rest of us. Oh, that qualifies me. <laughs> that qualifies me, Brother McHugh, to reach out and touch and be drawn. I'm drawn to a character, to the God-man who treats me like that. He says, son, all you got to do to qualify is to reach out. Because if I be lifted up, I'm drawing you to the cross. And if you will pick up that thing and follow me, it's going to lead through the golden gates. That's the only qualification you got to have. You just... If you're not a sinner, you don't qualify. But if you're a sinner just like me, then you are qualified to pick up that cross and read the headlines over that thing and recognize that that is our Savior. But the headline reads, Jesus Christ, the King of the Jews. Or could I just rephrase it when we look at that? We're drawn to it, but we understand there's more to the story. It reads, Jesus Christ, the King of Kings. We have a young generation that only, I believe, that has the character. They have ambition. We have people that are wealthy and rich we wear our identity. We dress nice. We have the best talent in music. We have the best singers. Our church buildings are nice. We not only know the Bible, our character is above reproach. Jesus loves us unconditionally. But the question remains that are we carrying our cross? You can have the cross over your door. You can have the great worship. You can have the great musicians. You can have an outstanding character. But unless you have sold everything, and not only just sold out, but you've got, because it's the price of the cross that will cost you everything, but it is worth it. It is, you know why the cross, you know why anything is so valuable? It's so pricey because of the value. The cross of Calvary. You need to understand who was hanging on that cross. It was not just humanity. It was humanity and deity creating a picture and a redemption plan for all of humanity. Jesus loves us unconditionally, but the question will remain. He said that you must pick it up every month. Oh, he said you got to pick it up every Sunday morning. When? That's pushing it. I like to kind of have a day off once in a while. No, no, I do. You understand? And I'm not, it doesn't mean that you got to fast and pray for seven days a week, but that means that you and I, we must start with, as the path to Calvary started, with communion. 
why Paul said, said, I don't want to know anything. He says, I will preach nothing. He says, he says, I am crucified with Christ, and I am crucified to the world. And he says, I don't even want to hear anything, or I will preach nothing less, nothing more than Christ and him crucified. Because only then will you get the full power and the value of Pentecost and the resurrection when you go from death to the power of the risen Savior. You're here this morning. I My prayer is that, listen, no matter what it is, if whatever you need, done paid for, need healing, stripes are already been done. You need relief from sorrow, from grief, need a healing from your body, you need you're going through emotional trauma, whatever it is. You need a financial miracle. Or maybe you just need to recommit yourself to the way of the master. Maybe you need to be touched again with the heart of a servant. Maybe there's forgiveness that needs to be brought out of your life. If you're here this morning, I encourage you to come. Come around the altar for a few minutes. Let's seek Him. At, at the very least, let's thank Him. Thank, I, Lord, thank You that I'm worthy to pick up that cross. Thank You that I'm worthy, Lord, to pick up that cross and follow You. Thank You, Jesus. Thank You for making the way, Lord. Thank You for paying the price. Thank You for paying the price. Hallelujah.